And welcome to Subconscious Mind Mastery. We've got Fred Dodson back in the house. Yahoo! (laughs) (laughs) So you know this is going to be interesting. You know, there are a couple of folks that have graced this podcast that just are always welcome here and get really good responses. My buddy Daniel DeNovi is one, and Fred Dodson is the other. So we're going to be talking to Fred here in just a second about a new audiobook that is out called Time Travel Through Consciousness and Advanced Technology. This is almost a, a rewrite, if you will, because Fred did this book back in the 2001-2003 time period, but it was written in German. Majana, <laughs> did you enjoy reading that? I did. That was just before I went to bed last night. <laughs> well, he revised it, didn't he? He did, and he updated it with some new experiences. And Majana helped me proof the book, right, and get it all ready to go. So we're going to talk about that. But I thought first we would ask Fred about something that is timely in the news that he just put on his Reality Creation Coaching Facebook page that is related to this virus that is spreading around the world now, the coronavirus 19. And uh, Fred had some thoughts about it as far as consciousness goes. So I thought just from a timely perspective right now to this particular period, we would ask him. And, you know, it applies really to anything. When you're talking about an epidemic or a scare, you can use the tactics that he does to just mentally address that. It's all consciousness. The coronavirus, huh? The coronavirus. (laughs) Well, first of all, um, there's many coronaviruses, right? I hope people know that. Yes, it's basically the common cold is a coronavirus, and then it just incubates yeah. in different ways. Yeah, so how, how have you been approaching that? How, how have you and Majana been approaching that? Sorry for turning it around. I'm just, I'm just curious. Uh, no, that's fine. So one of the things uh, you mentioned in the post about reducing air travel, so we are not traveling right now, I keep a pocket mask that's just something because I do all these audiobooks and, you know, that basically having my voice, even though I challenge, you know, I struggle with a little bit of a vocal issue, I still monetize my voice. So if I don't have my voice, then I don't have income for a while. And my particular manifestation of um, respiratory viruses goes back to childhood. I had walking pneumonia for about, um, five or six times when I was a kid, just a bunch. So I knew that my lungs are susceptible to it. So I just keep a mask and some of that hand gel in my, in my pocket or nearby so that if I need it, if I get into an area where there's excessive coughing or sneezing, I just pull it out. I've done my best. I also found a couple of magical ingredients that have made so much of a difference for me. Elderberry syrup, which I make myself, and colloidal silver that I also Mm -hmm. make myself. And literally, I'll tell you this, I was exposed to a cold recently doing a radio interview, and I started to feel the symptoms. I did my little treatment of elderberry syrup and colloidal silver, and I nebulize it. I actually have a nebulizer that I put it up into my sinuses. And with that, it was gone within about four hours, literally. Yeah, I like that. You see, I, I, I ta- in my article, I talk about listening to real-life people that you know, local people, you know, and, and I like that. That's, that's great. Yeah, so that's what we're doing. And I think from the same approach that you put in the article, this is something that is 
certainly an, an overreaction at this point. Yeah, right. I say it could get worse, but at this point, it's an overreaction. It's hype. It's panic, you know. I write that 1% of people who have contracted the virus, which is a fact, you know, 1% die. That means 99% survive the virus and recover. <laughs> That's better, better stats than driving on the highway. I, um, these are common sense things, you know. I wash my hands. I keep them out of my face. I don't travel by plane these days because many of my trips go over China, over Hong Kong, you know, if, if I need to get to Europe. Right. So I've uh, suspended all seminar traveling, and that's great because I didn't want it this year. I, I need a break, you know. Uh, I stay warm. I have healthy and good thoughts. You know, I, I always say, I actually, literally, I always say this does not apply to me. That's the belief I write about in the article. This does not apply to me. It's happening to the whole world, okay, but it does not apply to me. And people think, you know, well, wait till it happens to you, Fred. That's going to wipe that smug smile off your face. <laughs> you, you know, and, and, and that's just, uh, uh, it's, it's like they're wishing that you get sick just to confirm their, their own limitations, you know. Uh, my mom also said that. She said, uh, well, wait till it happens to you, because I was already this way when I was a kid. You know, I was like, oh, this does not apply to me. Well, wait till it happens to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still um, waiting. <laughs> yeah, I'm still waiting. I, I haven't been sick in a long time. Don't intend to, you know, and I ascribe that to keeping a, a clear, clean, healthy mind. Uh, healthy thoughts, uh, apart from the common sense precautions, you know. Right. So, yeah. All right. Very good. And if people want more on that, they can always peruse, as they should on a regular basis anyway, realitycreation.org. Let's talk about traveling through time. <laughs> this was a great book, and it is available now on audio. So it's on both mediums. It's uh, it's out on Amazon as a book if you want to pick it up as a book. And if you want to get it as an audio book, it's available as that as well on Audible, Amazon, and iTunes. First question, and it really parlays into the thing that has become the theme, I think, of your writing, at least that I've seen, that you go out there and look for answers and discussions on topics that you are interested in. When they don't exist to your satisfaction, you create them. You, you figured you, you figured me out. That's that's what happens. <laughs> that's your yeah. mo. Yeah, right. Well, I can't when even I'm say satisfied it. about what I find. I write it. Yeah, you just create it. So, why do you think there was not a treatment on this topic like what you did? Well, it's it's not really it's it's not in consciousness yet. I think um, this one is is writing it before it becomes an issue, before it becomes a topic in society. Might be two hundred years too early, you know. I think this will come, but it's not there yet. Just like the industrial revolution was not there yet in the seventeenth century, people could sense it, they could feel it, but it just wasn't there yet. You see. Is that the same parallel, two parallel universes of self? Was it early? Yeah, it was early. It was uh, 10 years early, I'd say. Yeah, because other... I, I, I have a knack for that, trying to, because that's what, you know, that's what I say in the book. So people, especially fiction authors, they have this uh, knack for feeling and sensing the future. They have a better knack of telling the future than psychics. 
what I say in the book. That's funny, you know. Um, <laughs> science fiction authors have a better track record than psychics of telling the future. Anyway, I do have a knack for that. But in general, Thomas, I, I wrote the book for fun. I didn't write it to make an important point or, you know, lecture people. I wrote it because it's fun. Is that how you've, let me ask it this way. Have you used the techniques of time travel in some of your other writings in order to go out there and see what might be a little bit around the corner? No. The techniques that I put into the book are an attempt to help others experience what I experience without techniques. <laughs> so I just got a sense. I had this sense. You know, uh, had it since childhood, and I, I, I'm like, I'm writing this book. I'm like, how could, how might other people experience this time flexibility? How, how might I put that into techniques that people could practice? You know, that so, is one of my favorite parts of this book, Fred, and not just this one, but several that you write. When you do that, because you come up with very practical, simple steps that give people a taste and encourage them to do to do those experiments and exercises on their own so they can experience it. And then what I love is you encourage them to go off on their own instead of telling them or dictating what their experiences and thoughts should be. Well, thank you. Yeah. It's, it's meant to be fun. Exactly. Yeah. The, the question was something that I experience all the time, you know, pre-sensing what's going to happen. How could I get people to explore that? And um, as to your question, Thomas, have I, uh, written my books based on time travel. No, I have not. I just wrote them uh, without any techniques whatsoever. I just wrote them. But have I time traveled myself? Have I used these techniques for personal purposes? Yes, I have. Absolutely. So I, I, I often, you know, lie in bed. And if I'm clear enough, if I'm not overwhelmed by the day or, or, or you know, if, if I'm, if I have good energy, then I might lie in bed and speculate okay what's so so what's this issue going to be in 10 years or um what's that city going to be in, in five years if i want to move and then i'll um explore you know all time travel in consciousness which is what the book's about time travel in consciousness yeah and he you go through the techniques of how you do it well walk us back in time in your own life when did you get interested in this as I say in the book, I, I, I was already writing articles on this when I was 19. <laughs> and while writing the book, I'm like, what does this twerp, who, who does this twerp think he is? You know, writing articles <laughs> on time travel. He's, he's 19 years old. He knows nothing. About, I'm, I'm 45. You see, and I'm looking back on this kid. He knows nothing about life at all. And he's writing articles on time travel. So I must have been into it much earlier than that, uh, 14, 13, 12. I guess I I got started on, on time travel sci-fi. You know, I'd be in the sci-fi book section and looks and always ask, well, do you have a, this is sci-fi, but, but do you have a specific section just on time travel? Never mind the sci-fi. Where's the time travel section? You know, it'd <laughs> be like, oh, we don't have a specific section on that. You got to look through. So I'd, I'd sometimes look through the entire section just to find the time travel books. See, I love connecting with things that we were interested in as kids that, especially as we grow up, become a part of our life. You know, they become something that we that carry our interest out. So I'm, you know, that you were 
a sci-fi geek doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, sci-fi being, uh, you know, stretching your awareness out to to what else is out there, right? Exactly, exactly. So do you have any recollection, Fred, of childhood where you actually did time travel in consciousness, which led to this interest and landed you in a, in a bookshop looking for a book or was it vice versa? I think first the dreams occurred, the so-called dreams that led me to the interest. And, and a lot of people don't see that. They think they just have the interest out of nothing. You know, they forget what they dreamt. Uh, they forget their experiences or their time slips or whatever. I did have time slips too. And they think, okay, I'm just interested in that. It just so happens I'm interested in that subject. Well, no, it doesn't just so happen. (laughs) You know, so I had um, a lot of future-based dreams as a kid. Sometimes I said, I I once told my parents, I come from the future. (laughs) 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 What's he talking about? You know, shut up. (laughs) Do your homework or whatever. It would have been great to just spend a fly on the wall in your house. I'm sure to see your parents' expressions. <laughs> so, well, haven't you guys haven't you guys had uh, in dreams, especially glimpses of what's going to happen? Then it happened. Yes, definitely. And Majana has yeah. a lot. Yeah. In fact, oh, tell him. Yeah, tell him you're just your recent one. Well. Actually, Fred, you and I a long time ago spoke about similar childhood experiences and premonitions being one of them that used to be very profound and prolonged for me. And I managed to block those for a long time. And they are coming back (laughs) with a vengeance, I guess, or with a resurgence. So the other night, one day last week, one evening, I had a very clear premonition of my son backing out of the garage and actually hitting the garage and then pulling forward and doing it again and hitting the door, running through the door. So I almost flew out of bed at that moment and woke him up and said, you be careful backing out. (laughs) But I waited till the next day, told him about the premonition and reminded him several times since then. And what, two nights ago? Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, He did not hit the garage. He hit the truck parked on the other side of the driveway as he backed out of the garage. So I said, hey, I I don't need details. I'm giving you the general information. Be careful. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. It's it's interesting you couldn't prevent it by by telling him. That's interesting. (laughs) Yeah, he's 17. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've had a number of see around the corners. And oh, while I was in the first part of the book narrating, so the first half at least, the setup part, and I had a very clear lucid dream, which I have not had ever like that, where I was fully awake and yet I was in a dream state. So thank you for that. Thank you for triggering it. That's because the entire first part of the book is on on dreams, which is how I set up the the reality of time travel, you know, to make it convincing because we all know these precognitive dreams. And I talk about this researcher, the first researcher who really documented this in depth. And one of the last, actually, it's interesting, you know, no other researcher since then has done that much for the uh, uh, research of precognitive dreams, precognitive dreams. Yeah, think about that. Let that soak in for a minute, right? Somebody in our Facebook group 
our podcast Facebook group put a comment up that when they read or listen to your books, they connect with and absorb into the energy of what you're talking about. I've experienced that, too. I had a when I was doing I forget if it was Hidden Realities or Journeys in Spectral Consciousness. It was one of those two that I had an encounter with a non-physical being on a hiking trail in Aspen. And I've had many, many other just absorptions into your material. Is that your your material is intended or energetically different? Or, you know, could you read, I don't know, Harry Potter and end up absorbing into that kind of realm too? I think um, whatever you focus on, um, you get a little bit of, you know, uh, sure. you watch a, 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 before going out to play tennis, I sometimes watch a tennis match, but I take some of that vibe with me. So whatever you focus on, it's attention based. It's just that I put a lot of attention into those books. So I'm doing some of the work for you. And, and then a few weeks go by and you're no longer connected to the book and your experience changes, you know. Attention generates experience. So I've noticed a path that you have been on in the six, almost seven years that we've been together of advancement. As you are on your soul path, your spiritual journey, you are evolving, you are growing, you are getting deeper. And of late, these topics of not so much connected to this earth, like Pleiades, you did a wonderful treatment on encountering beings from the Pleiades, and now talking about traveling into other realms. Is that... Yeah, here's the thing. I've, I've always been into this privately, you know. I've just never written about it because I, I wanted to get basics out first. I had a lot of people who were struggling, who lacked the money, the success, you know, who had emotional trauma. And you don't address these people with uh, time travel or aliens, um, you, you provide them the tools to to succeed. So, so that was my first priority. But I've written so very many books on that. I've said everything there is to say about it. Uh, all I have to do now is refer to those books. You lack success, read success, attract success. You lack, uh, you're emotionally unwell, uh, read my book, Being Higher Self, for example, or one of many, you know. And I wanted to get that out first, and now it's like I can do what I really want, uh, what's fun to me. It's like I, I did what I had to, now I can do what I want to. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, and we get to grow with you is the cool part. The The thing that influence has influenced me in these later books is the growth to so much higher consciousness is just, you can see it. You can follow the breadcrumbs. It's awesome. So... Yeah, very cool. Keep it yeah, up. Yeah, but, but, but it was <laughs> already there us. 25 years ago, you know. So um, it's just expressing, manifesting now, I guess. Yeah. So here's a question. I'd like your input on this. When I'm talking with clients, and I want to say this has happened in probably the last, just the last few months, Pleiadians have come through four times. So it just seems they're coming. I'm not sure if it's the clients that are coming to me that have uh, the Pleiadians are interacting with some uh, two of them have memories from childhood with this. 
or are they just becoming more active on the earth plane in our lives for some reason right now? It beats me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, Madonna. I I really don't know. Um, Wow. Yeah, it just surprised me that they've been showing up so frequently. Yeah. Is it a general consciousness thing and mass consciousness right now? which is also why I wrote the book, or is it specified to you? I, I tend to say it's a general mass consciousness thing right now. Yeah. I would think so, too. Yeah, yeah, I would think so, too. So why do you think that this kind of treatment, I mean, this is almost a parlay question. We may have already answered it. But why is this kind of treatment with time travel not part of the new age metaphysical conversation? I guess it's what you've said is it hasn't caught up with us yet. I think it's, uh, yeah, as I said, I think it's not the time for it yet. (laughs) It's also, you know, uh, people are like, be here now, be here now. There's no time. So why would they be interested in time travel? <laughs> well, and that was I was going to ask you that. So for the for the people who, as kids, were not uh, immersed in the sci-fi section of the used bookstores growing up, why would somebody be interested in this? It's a fun. It's literally just for fun. People often forget that there's also fun. You know, <laughs> not, not, not everything is about healing trauma and, uh, you know, finding the, the true self and connecting to the universe. There's also fun. Which and, is very underrated. Yeah, fun is very underrated. So I'm not really trying to reach new agers, self-improvers, uh, spiritual, religious people. I'm just trying to have a little fun. Um, why, why should you ask me, why should anybody read this? You read it if you want to have some fun. I wrote it because I think it's beautiful. And I think, um, I saw that all these elements had not been combined yet in a book. So there's the element of technology, time travel as technology. Then there's the element of precognitive precognition, as well as precognitive dreaming. Then there's the element of stargates and dimensional doorways. Then there's the element of time travel in consciousness and techniques for that. And all these different things, you know, some from science, some from science fiction, some from new ageism, some from um, my, my own research, coaching. To, to put that entire mix into one book, seemed fun and fascinating to me. And that's what I go by, you know, I was, what's fascinating. And I wrote down a few book ideas, you know, and of the four ideas I wrote down, time travel shown the most. That's one of my techniques, by the way, to find out which path to take. You write, you write down a few things, a few options you have, and you take the option that shines the most. Boy, have I adopted that one. Yes. Yeah, we like that. So speaking of fun, in this book, you commented on traveling to the future and seeing flying cars and that you've been surprised we haven't had those. And once again, Fred, you and I shared that vision. I clearly remember on a road trip with my parents when I was in elementary school telling them by the time I was an adult, there would be flying cars and all we would do is program our destination and then just let go and we would get there. Yeah, well, yeah, a lot of people have had that. Wow. 
Yeah, I too have been very frustrated. Where's my flying car? <laughs> why, and, and that's why I said um, I think we're, we're supposed to have had flying cars by now, but something happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. Agreed. We're supposed to have had them by by 2020 or so, and, and they're not here. So I guess we're on a different timeline. I'm sure there's a timeline where Majana and Fred have flying cars. And Thomas as well. (laughs) We'll share. Well, what I'm getting from this is you have to completely alleviate and eradicate your resistance to traffic jams before your (laughs) flying car will present itself. So, I guess. It eliminates road rage. But as long as you uh, get bowed up with traffic jams, your flying car is not going to be there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm getting a contrast here. So you're talking about this being light and playful and fun and what you wanted to do and what shined on the list as you decided what direction you were going to do next. And I'm sitting here going, this is a great path to higher consciousness. Okay, I got to get this figured out. I got to do this work. (laughs) And it is the difference between the lightness and the playfulness and the detachment space that you're in that I think most of us are still trying to get it all figured out. You know? Wow. Refer back to fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, what happens when people refer back to fun, if they're not, if they haven't prepared well, is they, they lose their job, you know. So, <laughs> uh, they like that fun stuff. <laughs> fortunately, I can afford, you got to come to a point where you can afford to have fun. <laughs> yes. You know, I, I can afford to have fun now, fortunately, because uh, I did what's needed, what's necessary, and now I can do whatever I want. That's that's the whole point of uh, becoming prosperous, so that you can do what's what's really in your heart. To me, that's the point of becoming prosperous. I don't. I'm not interested in money for the sake of money. I'm interested in money for the sake of being able to follow what's in my heart. Freedom. Freedom. Yeah, and yeah. and I would think that even before you reach that level of being able to do what you want, if you can have fun while you're doing what you have to do, it makes it a much more pleasant and productive. Absolutely. And you should already follow your heart before you have the money, because that's exactly how you're going to get the money. Mm-hmm. Right. Paradoxically. Yeah. You know, I have talk about having fun. Somebody asked this on Facebook the other day. I have more fun narrating audiobooks than perhaps anything I've ever done in my life. I just absolutely love everything about it. And as you know, we've really upped our game with new equipment. We've got a vocal booth that we can both work out of now. And I just, I, you know, you talk about being in a place of, wow, pinch me. Oh, here's one. Okay, back when audiobooks first started coming out, what was that, about 15, 20 years ago? I mean, it really didn't become a medium until about 15 years ago. I had a vision of myself sitting at an at a longer desk. Now, my vision was uh, in a shed, like in a uh, backyard-type shed. And here was my monitor, and here were my speakers, and here was my microphone, and my little board over here. And I was narrating audio, sitting on a stool, narrating audiobooks. Now, I just basically described this workspace. 
However, we are in the house, not in a shed out back, but this is the inside of the space. For sure. <laughs> it just looks identical. These are charcoal walls because it's padded with the uh, acoustic foam. But yeah, that was probably 15 years ago. Well, you're, you're meant to be voice, I guess. That may be an example. Be, Thomas. Yeah. There's some um, nonlinear time there, too. Mm-hmm. Here's a prediction for you. You want a prediction about our work? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I think within the next five years, uh, we're going to leave the platform audible because they're taking most of our money, aren't they? So, okay. And let me throw one out that uh, there will be a new paradigm of ways of listening to audiobooks and this whole medium of audible learning is going to explode and that the work that has been created over these last seven years will definitely be a part of that. Uh, yeah, I think so, too. I think you're in the right business. It's going to very much explode because people's eyes get tired from the screens. Mm-hmm. Well, and we have these white little sticks that hang out of our ears, and it makes this medium so very accessible. Yeah. So there's a little time travel. Maybe we could travel down the road about 10 years and see which platform we're on. Hmm. I think, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be different than people think. <laughs> I think you're right. I think maybe it's, it'll it's be not, more yeah, virtual. It's, it's not, it, uh, um, I think it's going to be very different. Uh, for sure. I, I think it's going to be more direct, Thomas. Um, the elimination of the middleman. Right. Right. I think that goes through not just audiobooks, but through a lot of society, don't you? Through, through everything, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's coming. You can see it. So I also just got an image of taking this uh, into holographic images as well. Right. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's going to be around us. I get that. You know, one of the things I think that this concept of time travel and the way that you presented it, that's a great transition, Majana, because this puts us in a space of, well, okay, here's one. Let's go this way. Let's go through this path. Majana grew up as a Lutheran. I think, Fred, you had Methodist background. Is that right? Well, well uh, Christian background. Christian yeah. background. Of various denominations, of various Protestant denominations. And then I had a Baptist fundamentalist background that pretty much taught, this is it. You're born as the result of a moment of passion, uh, you got about anywhere from a few days to a hundred and something years. What you do in that time determines where you spend the rest of eternity, right? <laughs> now, yeah. fr- then Fred Dodson comes along and says, you can travel to the Pleiades. You can travel to Sirius. You can travel to other galaxies. There's a multiverse and an omniverse, and we are just a small part of the omniverse and the multiverse. And there are Elohim, and there are other gods, and there are other realities, and then there are parallel realities. So there are realities <laughs> happening at the same but time in Israel. Here's the thing, though. There's absolutely nothing in the Bible that contradicts any of that. That's true. On the contrary, it says, you know, uh, the universe is a gigantic place, and you have no idea what's out there. So I don't know why 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 churches are so, so narrow-minded. Um that's a, this narrow mindedness is a, it's a human creation, you know, it, uh, for for the purpose of control, if you trace it back. Yeah. 
So this whole opening of these other multi-dimensions just almost shatters that. And if you would dare, if you, you know, if a lot of people listen to this come from that paradigm. And if you would dare just try, just try this, just give it a shot and open up to the fact that there is, oh, way so much more out there than what we have ever thought, ever conceived. And with this technique, you can go there. Amen. <laughs> now let's pass the offering plate. <laughs> I think you've talked about this before, Fred, and I I certainly have on Life After Life, my podcast. And a lot of people reach out to me coming from a place of fear, whether, you know, they're wanting to connect with disembodied spirits, they astral travel, they I don't think anybody's talked about time traveling, but it's that fear of the unknown and what if? Who's protecting me? Is Satan out there just waiting for me to venture out there? Good point. Yeah. Is this safe? Yeah. Well, um, really good advice is not to feel fear. <laughs> it's good right. advice because, you know, you can see that in the astral realm, which is real. And all these uh, entities are also real in my view. Evil entities are real in my view, but uh, they're attracted by your own fear. So the best advice you can give is to have no fear. And if you have fear, don't do it yet. Get clear in your head and your heart and then venture out and have some fun. If you're full of fears, you're not going to have fun anyway. This is about fun. You know, it's, um, it's no different. The astral realm is no different than if you go to some amusement park, you go on the roller coaster or not. Okay. Um, if you're full of fear, don't go on the roller coaster. You're going to bang your head. Before you even get into the roller coaster. <laughs> right. Uh, why does this always happen? Of course it's going to happen to you because you're full of fear. You're so dense. Your your attention is contracted. Um, whereas if you're going to the roller coaster to have fun, nothing's going to happen to you. And you know that to be true, too. So these uh, spiritual and astral realms are really no different than, than daily life. Fear is a bad advisor. So people need to... They need to get clear within themselves, you know. You know, if, if they're religious and believing God, why are they focused on Satan? <laughs> <laughs> and yet. <laughs> if they really believe, you know, if they were real believers, um, they'd have no fear whatsoever. That's what I say. So a lot of these believers, they have these all these fears, you know, but if you're, I really say that if you're really a believer, you have no fear. <laughs> because then you know, um, your spirit is invincible. And, you know, you're never cut off from source ever, ever, ever. And you can always go back to source, even if you were cut off, you can always go back and, and you just know that in your heart. And then there's no fear. So if people experience fear, they got to look within themselves. I wouldn't go venture forth uh, in fear. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do. You know. Okay. If I have a little bit of fear, I'd venture forth. Forth. That, that's called courage building. You know. I have a little bit of fear to do that skydive. I'll venture forth anyway. I have a little bit of fear of public speaking, venture forth anyway. I have a little bit of fear of time travel, venture forth anyway. But if I have these really deep fears, I'm not going to venture forth because then you're going to attract unpleasant company on the astral realm. Yeah. So I think, and I said something similar and put it in terms of 
what it, fear is just energy. And in fact, it's a low form of energy, low level. So energy attracts yeah. like energy. And on the earth plane, you can go into a fear-based low level energy area and there will be trouble. And why would you do that? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. It's common sense, you know. Exactly. I think it's uh, people fear what they can't see, right? It's just fear of the unknown. So I like your advice. Don't go out there with fear. Just don't go. Yeah. Don't go on a roller coaster uh, full of fear. You'll bang your head. <laughs> <laughs> so the folks listening, the folks listening to this have not heard or read the book yet. Do you have a favorite time travel story that you might have included, one that maybe you didn't include, or one that you found in research that was just a, a special one or a jaw-dropper or something that you'd share? Well, I put a few time travel stories in there. They're so beautiful to read. Uh, that was so much fun to read and to write. And many of these are, are really well-known, you know, But and I knew them already, but even reading them again and writing them again was so beautiful. There's there's no specific favorite one. Um, the reason I put them in there is so that people feel the vibe, the time travel vibe. My favorite aspect of any of those stories is something you learn in the book is how um, you can travel back in time to another time, as many people did and report, and the people there won't perceive you as being from another time necessarily, okay? Because of their beliefs. Their beliefs are not open for the possibility. So um, there, there's this, there's a story in the book. There's uh, two couples travel back 200 years or what to this uh, strange hotel, and they show up with their cards. And the receptionist and the people there don't perceive the cards, and they don't perceive the weird clothing, and they don't perceive that the coins are from a different time. And that's one example of hundreds of stories like that, and I find that so fascinating. That means there's some kind of protective thing in the universe that does not allow you to perceive something that you do not believe. Uh, so I find that incredibly fascinating, among many other things. Boy, you could go down a long road with that concept, couldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> so if you open your mind to other possibilities that are even beyond the realm of your wildest imaginations, as you've mentioned, people ask about, where am I going to find love? Where am I going to find money? Where am I going to find a job? Where am I going to, you know, this or that? How am I going to lose weight? If you just opened your mind to a realm of possibilities that your mind can't see right now, what could show up? I think that's the that's the effect of the book. You read the book. You ask me, why would anybody read the book? You just answered it. I yep. couldn't answer it earlier. You read the book in order to open your mind even more and expand it even more. That's it right there. That's the purpose of it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you for writing it. I mean, my goodness, it's, um, you know, your work has contributed so much to my life. I know it's contributed so much to the lives of many, many people who listen to this podcast. And I just, again, thank you for living the journey out loud, sharing your work with the world, and again, for allowing me to have a little slice of it and be a, be a part of the audio part of narrating your audio books. You're very welcome, Thomas. And may it continue.
Wow. You know, that the way that that ended was exactly what I was thinking but couldn't verbalize. The idea of that this does take us into a different realm of consciousness. I think so. And after you finish reading, your subconscious continues to process it and integrate it. So I think those really good works that you read hang with you for a while. So I think the other thing is you can use this as I love the way that he put this in. Keep it playful. Keep it fun. And Mm -hmm. don't make it something that is, you know, like a tool. Like I was saying, it's like my little paradigm of, oh, I've got to figure this out. I got to do this. You know, and I was like, oh, just relax, chill out. Have y'all met the taskmaster? Let it be. (laughs) (laughs) A.K.A. Thomas. (laughs) You know, it's if you use it in a light, playful way. And I guess that's the only really way that you can do the technique that he talks about is because you have to be in that state anyway to generate it. Yes. It's high level. High level of consciousness, of energy. Yeah, that's that's super cool. All right, the book is on Audible and iTunes, and it is available now. It is called Time Travel Through Consciousness and Advanced Technology. And until next time, whether you are traveling on this plane or another one, enjoy the journey. The opinions on this podcast are those of the host based on personal experience only and are not intended as medical or psychological advice. If you are experiencing symptoms that require professional treatment, please contact a licensed medical practitioner. The stories and opinions expressed on this podcast are independently those of the host and guests and are not intended to be taken as medical advice or to replace medical care from a licensed professional when appropriate.